Well, hey there, campers, and welcome back to another episode of Camp Cryptid. I'm your host, Erica Fett, and today I am so excited for a brand new episode all about Campfire Tales. Now, my Campfire Tales episodes are always some of my favorite because these are actually stories submitted by listeners, and they can range anywhere in between UFOs, uh, cryptid sightings, or even weird, creepy paranormal experiences, and I'm so excited to share these with you. Now, before we get into today's stories, I just want to say thanks so much for everybody listening to the last couple episodes. I had so much fun with my last guest, Fraser, from Elite Online Mag. Uh, Last week, we talked all about Scottish and English ghost stories and urban legends. And even since then, I've been texting and being like, okay, we got to meet in Ireland and go to Dublin and do like a a crazy like Irish ghouls and urban legends episode. I'm like trying to get them to meet me all over these places. So... (laughs) So hopefully in the future, we'll have some really great episodes all about other um, creepy experiences and ghost stories and legends in other countries. So fingers crossed, we'll make that happen. But today, like I said, we're going to be talking about Campfire Tales, and these are absolutely some of my favorite episodes. Why? Because I get to hear about all of these crazy experiences that listeners from all over the world have, and it's kind of a time where we can all kind of bond together and be like, wow, okay, this world is really creepy, and there's some really strange stuff going on and it's it's absolutely my favorite. So, to get into today's episode, the first story we have is a story from Chicago from Tyler and uh this should be a good one. I'm really excited. So, Tyler says, "Hey Erica, hey campers. This is Tyler from Chicago. Super excited that the show is back. So, here's my story. It has gangsters, Johnny Depp, phantom callers and abandoned floors." I work in TV and film, and early on in my career, in 2008, I was working as a production assistant on the movie Public Enemies, shooting mostly here in Chicago. If you're not familiar, Public Enemies was Michael Mann's poorly received biopic of famous gangster John Dillinger, played by Johnny Depp. I have many production horror stories from working on this nightmare of a movie, but one actual possible haunting. It was a period movie, so we were always shooting in spots that still had a great Art Deco looks to them. One such was the Carbide and Carbon Building along Michigan Avenue. Not as famous as other haunted hotels like the Drake or the Congress, it's a tall but narrow building that originally served as a regional office for the chemical company of the same name, constructed to resemble a champagne bottle. It's made out of dark green granite with a gold top. It currently has been remodeled and is called the St. Jane Hotel. Prior, it was a hard rock hotel. I'm having trouble finding records of it, but I seem to remember it was called the Hotel 21 when we were shooting there. Anyways, the crew was shooting in one of those top suites, and my job for literally the whole day was to manage the freight elevator and to stop it from coming up to the set when we were rolling. Some of you may already know this trivia, but hotels back in the day did not have 13th floors. They were simply marked 12, then 14, skipping 13 because it was unlucky. Over the course of the day, I got to know a lot of the hotel staff. Sometimes they'd be stuck in an elevator with me for 10 minutes at a time as we rolled on series of takes. We'd talk about our jobs, etc., and then they would tell me interesting stories about the hotel, including multiple ghost stories. I'd say about 7 of the 10 staff that had worked overnights claimed they had gotten calls at the front desk coming from the phone lines on the 13th floor. They would hear a little girl's voice or whispers. Some of the staff called BS on them and said that's never happened. One of the staff who was really open about talking about the occurrences said they were told not to talk about it because the 13th floor had been completely abandoned for years due to a fire that had broken out on it, allegedly killing an entire family of four. Some of the staff believed that it was the spirit of the little girl of the family that perished that calls the lines from it. The entire floor had been in broken disrepair, and there were no plans to renovate it. They had told me that the staff had asked to do sweeps of it just to make sure no one got lost on the floor or hurt because there's lots of broken furniture and no lights. They said that they fight about who has to go up there for obvious reasons. 
The weirdest thing about it, they said that the elevator will randomly go up to the stop on the 13th floor, no one having called it. The maintenance people either could not figure out what was wrong or it wasn't big enough of a priority to fix it. I took this with a grain of salt now because I felt like I was reading the top 10 list of basic hauntings. Around 1 a.m. in our 16th hour filming, it was pretty quiet in the hotel. Most of the hustle and bustle of the day had died down and my nausea of going up and down the elevator had settled. Suddenly, as I'm half asleep standing up, the elevator jumps to life and starts ascending to the 14th, actually the 13th button lit. I was too confused to recognize it at first, but the doors opened and I realized where I was. I reacted too slow to hit another button to stop me from ascending and I was paralyzed in awe. What they told me would happen was now happening and I started freaking out. The elevator opened to an empty hallway with an open room facing me. It was hard to see with the only light coming from inside the elevator. I was able to make out some trash furniture and what looked like a blackened scarring around the walls. I immediately started pressing to the other buttons and it took a good 30 seconds for the doors to finally close and for the elevator to start moving again. I had no courage to look further around and the darkened hallway to my right gave me enough of a nope feeling. As you can imagine, those 30 seconds felt like forever, and I was worried I was going to be stuck there. Finally, the doors closed, and I breathed some sigh of relief, but I felt dumbstruck. Was I expecting the haunted elevator to not take me to the 13th floor? They said it would, lol, and it did. I have since tried finding more information about the fire in the family that supposedly perished, but I have come up dry. You also can't seem to find any information about the building being haunted, but maybe someone else can be a better internet sleuth than I. The St. Jane Hotel, as it currently stands, seems to want to mark itself as a modern hotel with nicer accommodations, so I don't doubt there might be some kind of filtering going on to that end. Either way, I got a free fright from it, and I have since been back filming, but luckily not stuck in the elevator. Much love. Thanks for sharing. Looking forward to the next rest of the season. Well, thanks so much, Tyler, for sending us that awesome, awesome story from Chicago and the Carbide and Carbon Building. Uh, I actually... I've been to Chicago a million times, and I can honestly say I have never even paid attention to there's this building um, that looks like that, and it, it literally does. It was made to look like a champagne bottle, so you've got this tall green granite building, and the top is literally golden, and it does kind of resemble a champagne bottle. Um, so I actually dug into a little bit of research about this building. Uh, so for those of you not aware, uh, Chicago is an architect's dream. It is full of beautiful, magnificent buildings, and definitely a lot of it has that Art Deco vibe, which is why I, I love going to Chicago because I feel like I'm like transferred into Gotham because they actually have filmed some of Batman there. Uh, so I always get so, so excited to go to Chicago. Now, my favorite thing about this is that um, I was I was doing a little bit of research on the carbide and carbon building, and it was built on land that was affected by the Great Chicago Fire. Um, in fact, the architects of the building, the carbide and carbon building, were the sons of one of the architects who actually helped rebuild Chicago after the Great Fire. Uh, so I think that's kind of notable that this land was on land that was definitely affected by one of the greatest fires in United States history. Um, now, going to like the haunted aspect of the building, I did find uh, that while it was finished in 1929, um, it it's, was the St. Jane Hotel, but now it is called the Pendry Hotel. And it is definitely a beautiful building, uh, and it's definitely a beautiful hotel. Um, but there are a couple weird things that have happened in this building. Um, so I did not find anything on the family uh, that supposedly was involved in the fire in the hotel. But 
I did find that in 1933, a man named Ernest Mitchell fell to his death in an el- open elevator shaft. Uh, they rule it as an accident, but isn't that kind of strange that a guy just falls in an elevator shaft? That's kind of strange, right? Um, so that happened in 1933. And then in 1948, a really well-known attorney named Henry Adamson died suddenly from a fatal heart attack when he was at the building for a meeting. So you know, I didn't find anything on the family of four, but I did find some really weird accidental, like, deaths that happened in the building. Uh, so, if anybody around Chicago has any information about the Carbide and Carbon building and wants to add any kind of, like, creepy stories, this is kind of a way we can all kind of, like, be, like, little internet sleuths together. But, yeah, so I did find two people that did pass in this building, which pretty creepy. I mean, if you look at the building, it really does straight up look like it's it's haunted. It's straight up. If you look at it, you're like, okay, I could kind of see that. Okay. I, it doesn't, I don't, I don't doubt it for one second. Um, but you know, Chicago is a really cool haunted place and it's got a lot of cool, creepy haunted things in it. So I think that the, um, the Pendry Hotel and the Carbide and Carbon building just adds to that. So Thank you so much, Tyler, for that awesome story. If you have any other creepy stories, feel free to send them in. I just absolutely love it. So while this last one happened in Chicago, we're going to jump over to Arizona for this next story from Cameron. Cameron says, I live in Arizona and I swear the state is haunted. So many locations are haunted here with the history the state has, and I love it. Of the many locations here, one still haunts me pretty well. Good example of screw around and find out. There is a town an hour south of Phoenix that had these abandoned buildings that have since been torn down. The buildings were a hotspot for the local ghost hunting community and even featured on an episode of Ghost Adventures. Long story short, the building started being built during the microchip race of the 1980s, but then company went under and abandoned construction. In the 90s, the buildings were used for satanic rituals and people just come here to party and even try to communicate with the spirits there, which puts a dark presence in the area. Back in 2018, I spent two weeks going to this location a lot. I would always go with some friends. At first, it was just us exploring some old creepy buildings at one in the morning. Then it turned into actively trying to find ghosts. From hearing footsteps to the feeling of being watched or like someone was waiting for me on the other side of the doorway. The last time I went at night, I went with two friends. We were exploring, then sat down in one of the buildings and started an EVP session. I wanted to add that we saw evidence of an Ouija board being used that was not there a week earlier. Nothing was really happening at first, but then a rock was thrown inside and hit a wall next to us. After that, I was hearing footsteps right outside pacing back and forth almost aggressively. The footsteps then moved to a door that way and aggressively started approaching us. At first, I was scared that it was the police since we weren't supposed to be there. I then saw a black shadow peek out around the corner of the doorway, and I instantly got up and grabbed my stuff and said, we are leaving. The presence felt very unwelcoming and threatening. We packed up and left. The next night, one of our friends asked me if I wanted to go back, and she was bringing some friends. Not only was I still shaken from the night prior, I had a very bad gut feeling about going back. Something was telling me not to go back. So I listened to my gut and stayed back. Later that night, my friends posted on Snapchat that the police came and gave everyone a trespassing ticket. If I would have gone, I would have gotten that ticket too. So I'm glad I listened to my gut instinct that night. They eventually just got community service and avoided jail time since the owner did a poor job securing the property from trespassers. I have since gone twice during the day. Nothing crazy, but I believe the spirits remembered me since I had feelings of someone following me, think it was my now wife, but she was nowhere near me. This location now put a new fear of shadow people, and I even got a tattoo of St. Michael on my arm as a new form of protection along with exploring different beliefs for protection. I highly recommend not chasing negative energy the way I do. I know its consequences and accept them, but most don't. 
The consequences come in different ways other than possession to attachments. As my friends learned, it can be anything. Well, Cameron, that sounds crazy. And I would love to know where these buildings are. I see, I know Arizona has so many creepy things with it, you know, with the desert and all of the history, like you said. Um, but, you know, you think about it, Arizona is like, the desert is a very creepy place from, uh, from, you know, just the, it being barren and isolated. And then you add in people doing like satanic rituals and like Ouija boards. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know about that. That sounds a little terrifying to me, but you know, that's a big hotspot for these abandoned buildings. You know, that's where a lot of people go when they see, um, different effigies written on the walls and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, that is very, very terrifying. And I'm happy you didn't get in trouble too. So, <laughs> but yeah, Cameron, if you have any other stories that are from you, like doing some urban exploration, that would be awesome. I love these stories of abandoned buildings because I mean, I think we've all had like the urge to go into some kind of like creepy abandoned place or like to do some exploring and be like, you know, I think that's why like places like, um, that like asylums and reformatories that are like not being used are so popular for ghost hunts because it's kind of like you feel alone. So I can only imagine the added level of creepiness throwing it out in the middle of the desert. <laughs> so yeah, that's a great story. Thanks so much, Cameron, for sending that in. So the next story is going to be in Columbus, Ohio. And I'm from Columbus, Ohio. So when I saw this story, I got so, so excited uh, because if it's close to me, I'm like, yes, I can go explore it. Well, this one is a little too close to home. So <laughs> this next story is going to be from James and he's in Columbus. So James says, okay, so here's my creepy story. So the neighborhood I grew up in and actually live in now backs up to a golf course. We're on the northwest side of Columbus, Ohio, almost in the burbs. It turns out that a huge chunk of this land, including the golf course and my neighborhood, used to be Native American mounds. There's even one preserved less than a mile from my house. The neighborhood has a reputation for being spooky. It's a little darker at night, great place to trick or treat. Appliances turn themselves on, doors shut on their own. Uh, there are stories of weird lights and people in the trees on the golf course at night. I thought it was something only folks who lived in and grew up around the neighborhood talked about until one of my students at Columbus State asked me where I grew up. And when he found out that I went to the same school system, Goffey Woods, dude, that place is haunted. This isn't the story, of course. This is just the background and exposition, setting a tone, so to speak. So now we get to the story. It was the fall of 1992, and I was a sophomore in high school. My house wasn't just in the neighborhood, it was on the 16th hole of the golf course, and we had been using Ouija boards there. My friends had recently discovered Ouija boards. I would not recommend ever using one after this experience, and we had been talking to something that regularly called itself tea. We thought it would be big fun, and that we were all joking around with each other. We were wrong. It had been a typical fall day. I went to school, went to cross-country practice, and came home. Did the typical teenager evening things, music, homework, maybe a couple of phone calls. We couldn't text back then and had to have real interactions with our friends, and then headed to bed. The only thing that seemed off before I turned in was that the cats arched their backs and hissed at the corner of the basement during their nightly pre-bedtime patrol. It was one of those warm Ohio early fall nights. You could leave the windows open, and there was a slight hint of crisp air, but not enough to freeze you under the covers. I rolled over and went to sleep. In the middle of the night, I woke up to use the bathroom. My room was freezing. Being the typical clueless 15-year-old, I shrugged it off. The hallway leading back to the bathroom was warm. I shrugged it off, did my business, and headed back to bed. Back then, my bed, still bunk beds actually, my house was the house where everyone congregated at friends crash regularly, was butted up against the wall, and I always slept facing the wall. 
I climbed into bed, rolled over, and tried to get back to sleep. I had trouble, though. I had the distinct feeling that I was being watched. I tried to shake it off, but eventually I rolled over to see what was going on. That's when I saw it. It was a shadow shaped like a person taking up the corner of my room. It had eyes that felt like they looked right through me. It talked to me for what seemed like a long time. To this day, I can't remember what it said. Was it a dream? Who knows? It felt very real. Years later, after my parents moved, my friends told me that they didn't like sleeping in the back guest bedroom. My stepsister said the same thing. They said that there was something in the closet. Yes. So I was so excited to read this because when I started reading your description, James, I realized I know exactly where your golf course is because I pass it <laughs> whenever I'm going to the store. Um, so it's really crazy because I, I pass this golf course like every, like literally almost six times a week. Um, so what's really crazy is that you're absolutely right. There are a lot of mounds in Ohio. And for those who think that Ohio is just corn, Ohio is very creepy. Uh, we've got caverns, we've got mounds, but we've got the Serpent Mound. And actually not too far from where James and I live, there's another mound called the Voss site. And it is at Battelle Darby Creek Metro Park, which is like a little cute park system there. But they actually do have another preserved uh, mound that is at this uh, this park. Uh, so another crazy thing is, is I was talking when I first moved to my neighborhood, uh, and one of my neighbors basically said that they've actually, at this park, Battelle Darby Creek, they've actually uncovered quite a few mounds, and there's actually one that they had just found that they hadn't actually excavated completely, but they also kind of want to be careful excavating it because they don't want to have any spirits attached to them or cause any type of, like... Um, interference. Uh, and so for those of you who totally believe that like, you know, disturbing the burial ground is, you know, something that can cause things to haunt you. Uh, I see, I totally believe it because it's like, you don't mess with that. You know, the curse of the mummy, right? You know, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's, I was so excited to read James' story because I was like, that is, it's 100% so creepy and so scary to think that like things are being built on these has no one ever seen poltergeist um which which leads me to my next thing if you are listening to this and you're in columbus ohio um i went to i don't remember which convention it was but uh there was a convention going on and for those of you aware of the north market that's kind of right next to the convention center the north market was actually getting its parking lot uh, basically dug out because they're putting a new Hilton there. And I remember walking around and I saw that there was like these white tents that were around this area where this parking lot used to be in front of the North Market. And I was like, what is going on? Well, after talking to a few people, I found out that downtown in Columbus, where that parking lot was right in front of the North Market, like literally not even half a block from the convention center, there was a burial, like there was a burial ground there. Uh, they knew that there were bodies buried under this parking lot. So when they went to go excavate it, they basically threw up these white tents so nobody could see how many bodies because there were more bodies than they anticipated. So I'm like, okay, so we're digging out these bodies and we're going to put a Hilton there. Has no one, has no one that builds seen poltergeist. I, I, you, so that Hilton downtown is going to be haunted 100%. And rightfully so, because why are we building a Hilton on a burial ground? <laughs> right? Um, so Columbus has got a lot of weird stuff going on. Um, 
But yeah, James, I, I was so, it was so crazy to read that because I knew exactly where that, that golf course was. And I was like, oh my gosh, the fact that it, there's burial mounds there. Uh, I'd like to know more about these people hanging out in trees. So would people just look out there and see almost like shadow figures in trees? Because if so, I cannot imagine how terrifying that would be. So absolutely terrifying. I, I cannot even imagine. Uh, but yeah, so that was a really cool story from Columbus, Ohio. And I'm sorry that you had to deal with the, <laughs> the creepy shadow people, but Hey, listen, moral of the story, we shouldn't be messing with people's burial, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, that was a great story, James. Thank you so much for submitting that. I, I'm, I'm so pumped when I see something around Columbus. Cause I'm like, yes. Um, so this next story comes from Nate, and Nate says, I have a bunch of ghost stories and creepy things that have happened to me and my family on my father's side. Me and my little sister got together some time ago last year and jokingly said, Dad's family is cursed. But the more and more we started swapping stories about everything we've experienced or have been told by other family members, the more and more we began feeling creeped out. After reflecting on everything, it kind of didn't feel like a joke anymore. One story I remember so vividly was one told by my late grandmother about how her house was visited by some kind of spirit or demon one afternoon when she was a little girl living in a small town in Mexico. She was doing her chores and was just about to finish sweeping up their family's small one-room ranch house when she heard a voice whisper out to her, look over here. When she turned to face the voice, she saw a horned creature covered in reddish-brown fur clinging to the corner of the roof right above the wood-burning stove. She was in total shock and couldn't even let out a tiny scream. She closed her eyes and called out to her mother, and in the blink of an eye, the being let out a huge gasp and was gone. But not without a trace. When my young grandmother shook the fear out of her body and took a look around the small house, she noticed that everything, from the stove to her family's bed, had been coated with dust in such an unnatural way that her mother, my great-grandmother, couldn't do anything but believe her story. There's plenty of other stories for now, but this is all I'm willing to share because I was told directly to me. I'll sit down with my sister again to get more accurate details of the other stories we talked about that night. But until then, stay spooky. And Nate, you stay spooky too. Okay, that was awesome. I tell you, I, I really love stories from other countries just because, you know, we always know about like the big ones, like Bigfoot and, you know, the Jersey Devil and stuff. But hearing about other things from other countries, you're like, what could that have been? So, you know, I, I did a little bit of like diving into like Mexican folklore and I couldn't really find much on like horned beings that had fur. There were a lot of horned beings that were like almost like serpents, but... I did find like the jackalope, but it almost sounds like because of the dust, it almost sounds like it was like a trickster demon or something. Um, but this just tells me that I need to do like a, a huge deep dive on like Mexican and South American like folklore and legends uh, just because there is so much. Because when it comes to like, especially in Mexico, there's a ton of like Aztec related fo folklore, which um, I, I, I tried diving into that and I was like, this is, there's so much and I just need to do like an entire season on that. But yeah, there are so many different types of like uh, like mythological creatures, especially in Mexico. So if anybody is listening and you have any ideas about what that could have like, that little demon or what that, that cryptid could have been, 
uh, that would be awesome. I'd love to hear everybody's thoughts on that. So I would just want to say real quick, thanks so much, Tyler, Cameron, Nate, and James for submitting those stories. They're from all over the world, and it's like my favorite thing ever to read these these creepy stories, um, especially because it's like everything from like paranormal to cryptids. I just, oh, give it all to me. Yes. Um but yeah, so for anybody who's listening, if you have like anything to add about any of these locations, uh, or if you know you could have an idea of what um, Nate's grandmother saw, uh, just make sure to to leave it in the comments or even go to campcryptedpod.com. There's a little contact section. If you have your own experience around these areas or if you have any insight, um, feel free to drop a line there. I love reading little messages that you all send. So it's like my favorite thing. Um, so yes, if you would like to submit your own story, make sure to go there. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, I have been watching a lot of things lately. And since we were just talking about Mexico, uh, one of the most recent things I finally watched was the curse of, uh, La Llorona. And that was by James Wan. And I, I really enjoyed, it. I really like James Wan stuff though. I just think it's really fun and, uh, it's always very enjoyable. And of course it had Linda Cardellini in it. So how am I going to say no to that? Um, oh, and the guy who played Tuco from, um, oh my gosh, what is his name from Breaking Bad? And I was just like, I, come on now, of course I'm going to watch this. Um, so that was really good. And that's also kind of why I really liked reading Nate's story because I had been on this like kick where I'm like, oh my gosh, there are so many, uh, I had been to Mexico a few times and I love Mexico. And I was like, man, I just really need to do like a huge deep dive of like Mexican lore and folklore and just urban legends and all the cryptids because Mexico has some legendary awesome cryptids. Um, so yes. So in the future, <laughs> you can expect me to definitely do at least one episode, maybe like five on like giant serpents and the serpents of um, like the Aztecs and the Mexican lore. So Yes, <laughs> you know me. I'm I'm on I'm on a huge snake kick lately. So, um, other than that, I've been watching. Speaking of like snakes and like uh, reptiles, I've been watching a lot of Godzilla lately. So we have been totally blessed in this timeline with all of the Godzilla. I mean, Godzilla minus one. You've got Godzilla and Kong, um, and then on Apple TV, uh, Monarch: The Legacy of Monsters. If you're a Godzilla fan, I highly recommend it. So good. Oh, it's so good. Just give me all the Godzilla stuff. Um, but yeah, so I've been trying to catch up on all the Godzilla stuff and, and stay tuned with that. Unfortunately, I'm still waiting on another season of Slasher because I'm obsessed with Slasher. Uh, I did finish Creep Show, so if you need something fun to watch, it's like a almost like a tells from the crypt type of, of feel as Creep Show, and I really enjoy that. But yeah, I've been trying to I've been trying to keep up on all my my creepy, spooky stuff after Halloween, and luckily it's we're we're supposed to get blessed by some good stuff, but. Other than that, yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed today's tales of of spooky and ghost and shadow people and haunted burial mounds. Um, like I said, I, I could probably do a Campfire Tales episode like every week because I just really enjoy reading all of the stories that you all send. Uh, but it, it's it's always real fun to just kind of like nerd out over creepy goodies. So... <laughs> But yeah, everyone, and it's already December, so holy cow, we got to keep we got to keep the spooky season going even through the new year. So, um, but yeah, big thanks to everybody for listening and hanging out. And hey, if you guys are liking what you're hearing and you enjoy it, make sure to uh, go rate the podcast over on I think Apple and Spotify. Um, and then don't forget, I also do post on YouTube. Um, I'm trying to do like supplemental like videos of behind the scenes recording when I feel like it. Today, I didn't really feel like it because I didn't feel like putting on makeup. So. <laughs> 
So y'all are just going to hear my voice today. But um, other than that, uh, don't forget that we have a Reddit. But you know what? It's all on the website. Y'all know, y'all know the routine by now. So if you go to campcryptedhorrorpodcast.com, you can check out all of the socials. You can submit your own story and check out all those YouTube videos and uh, all the goodies. Also, I do have a bonfire shop. If you guys would uh, like any shirts or mugs, uh, we we have a little bonfire shop and all of the sales from that go to like cute little charities and special causes. So uh, if you guys have any um, charities that you'd like to see any type of merch go towards, just shoot me a line and uh, we'll see if we can hook it up. So, but yeah, I hope everybody is having an amazing December. I hope you're staying warm. It's been snowing here all day in Ohio. So I'm going to need to snuggle up with some coffee and hopefully do another deep dive of some cool cryptids. Uh, I've been opening up all my MetaZoo packs today and like organizing all my cards finally. So (laughs) I'll be making sure I post those on Instagram though, but But yeah, I just want to say thanks again, everybody, for listening. I hope you guys are having a great day wherever you are in this world. And thanks again for hanging out for another episode of Campfire Tales. I can't wait to bring you another episode coming in a couple weeks. And then, hey, until next time, you stay warm, stay spooky, and take care.